When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. We are on YouTube as well on our, as on our podcast channel. I'm Andrew Musgrove and this week joined by Sam Mulner as Gibbo is off on his jollies. So no Gibbo this week. I know we had a few complaints last week when we didn't have an Everton preview. Um, so I can only send out my apologies again that there's no Gibbo this week. But Sam has filled in and Sam's back. There's no survey this week, Sam. We've got you on because we want your view on... Newcastle United, the wonders of Eddie Howe, and maybe as well, so you can have a little bit of a laugh at Sunday or Saturday's opponents, Aston Villa. Yeah, no pressure. I've just got to fill into Gibbo's rather sizable shoes. Well, we talk a lot about fan clubs on this channel, especially the Miguel Almiron fan club, and I know you're going to have your say about your membership in a moment. But I also got a comment on Monday's podcast from um, some Norwegian fans who we're, we're, we're very angry. There was no give or preview for the Everton game. So goodness knows what I'm going to get in the mailbag next week. I mean, it's a good job I'm off for a few weeks. So um, I'm sure hopefully their anger will have subsided when they realise there is no give this week and they've only got you. I, I hope I can quell Scandinavia's doubt. Uh, so those listening, you will recognise Sam's voice. Of course, he is from Newcastle's fan, Newcastle Fans TV with his very own podcast as well. Just plug that, Sam. We'll get that out of the way first of all. The Greenwood and Mulliner Show on Newcastle Fans TV. Please do give a listen, subscribe and rate five stars and all that. Carry on. An interview with a famous face every Tuesday. Yeah, the second best Newcastle United podcast to tune into. Oh, he's not fitting. Has he First, not? the worst, second, the best. <laughs> um, Newcastle Villa this weekend then. Always a game I look forward to. There's a, there's a few games as a fan that I really do uh, look forward to and this is one of them. the other one seems to be Everton I don't know why I just I like I like when Newcastle face Everton and Aston Villa um, I don't know whether it's a, a I don't really like the clubs very much from a fan perspective from a journalist perspective very interesting what's going on down at Villa Steven Gerrard was seen as the man that some thought Newcastle should have appointed instead of Eddie Howe um, they've now gone and got the man that looked like he was going to be appointed ahead of Eddie Howe uh, in Unai Emery. So there's lots of interesting little side stories to this game on Saturday. And, you know, there's all that history as well. And, you know, people, some people think it's drummed up, but, you know, I think a lot of people are still very hurt by the banner that was unveiled at Villa Park back when Newcastle were relegated when Alan Shearer was, was manager. So it's always a bit of a tasty game, this one. Yeah, I, I'm like you as well. It's it's one of the first games I always look out for. It's the one I want to win most. Uh, my wife is an Aston Villa supporter. Um, I, I live about an hour away from Villa Park. Um, all the in-laws are Villa fans. So this is this is the one I really want to win. Um, I'm, I'm gutted that they uh, that they sacked Steven Gerrard because I think it would have been a foregone conclusion Saturday if Gerrard was still in charge. But... Um, I just got a feeling now that things aren't quite so simple. It's not going to be as straightforward as many people think, despite us coming off the back of a, of a fantastic victory at Spurs. I think Newcastle have got the momentum and that counts for a lot in football, that wave of confidence. 
And yes, I know Aston Villa won 4 0, and you know, they scored as many goals under their, their caretaker manager as they had done under in 409 minutes under Steven Gerrard. So, yeah, massive improvement. But it, sometimes you get that, don't you? You get that kind of when the chains are off and there's just kind of this release and there's a bit of freedom. But, you know, Brentford are one of those sides, you know, they're, they're putting a good performance once every few games. And then you look at how, you know, they beat Manchester United comfortably and then they've gone this horrible run of results. Newcastle thumped them. You know, I, I, if Aston Villa had gone out and beaten a Brighton, perhaps, or, you know, a team that is is around there, there, then I'd be a little bit more fearful. But I just think with Newcastle on this run of form, with the results they've got, I, I, I'm backing Newcastle to win this game. I mean, I hope you're right. But, um, I mean, look, Aaron Danks is the, the caretaker there at Villa at the moment. He wasn't Gerard's man. He was He's very much um, like our Graham Jones and that he was there pre-Gerard. He, he spent some time in and around the England setup. Um, so I, I really don't think this is a, a, a foregone conclusion. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, we should win. We should be looking to win every home game. We should go all season unbeaten at home. St James's Park is a fortress again. But Villa aren't a bad side. It's it's no coincidence that things started to go wrong for Steven Gerrard when Michael Beale left, his assistant, who's now thriving at QPR and turned the Wolves job down. Um, obviously, I hear certain things because I'm, I'm in deep in enemy territory where I live. So um, Steven Gerrard was very, very reliant on, on Michael Beale in and around the training ground. Um, so it comes as no surprise that as I say, things went sour when when he left, and you know it, it just goes to show how successful Beal's been at, uh, at QPR. As I say, but this is a game we should be looking to win. Villa aren't a bad side. It was a close game um, at the back end of last season when we got the one nil um, with a, a Trippier free kick and, a, and another resolute defensive display. Uh, there's some good players on paper that we're going to be facing, but. The, the the momentum, the rhythm, hopefully with a, a good week's six days rest now that uh, the fatigue and the legs would have eased slightly because I can't see how making too many changes for Saturday's game should everyone be fit. But um, this is a game I want to win more than any. Yeah, and we'll get on to the potential team, but I agree, you know, it doesn't change your winning side, so you can't see too many changes unless they're, they're forced upon them. But just going back to, to Stephen Gerrard, Sam, when you went to Aston Villa, as I've mentioned, a lot of pundits pointed out their view that he was a better manager than Eddie Howe. Newcastle should have gone after him as opposed to Howe. Um, I wasn't in that camp. You know, by no means did I think it would go like the, as it has done for Steven Gerrard Aston Villa. I thought he would do a decent job. I actually thought Newcastle and Aston Villa wouldn't be uh, too far apart in terms of you know league position and, and, and going forward. That obviously hasn't worked out. What did you first of all make of the comments surrounding Gerard and how when the appointments first were made and, and, and how it's gone since? Ridiculous. Um, I mean, look, there was a few lads in, in, in NFTV in our group that, that wanted Gerard and thought he was the answer, um, that we should have brought him out from Rangers and, and got him in the door sooner. Um, he's never been for me. Um, I mean, look, OK, he won the league in Scotland, but Neil Lennon won the treble in Scotland and couldn't do a job at Bolton Wanderers. So I don't think you can read too much. I mean, no disrespect to the Scottish League, but we all know it's not the strongest. Um, you've won real team to beat all season, haven't you? So 
it, it comes of no surprise how Steven Gerrard's managerial career uh, has turned out, really. He's not really paid his dues in the lower leagues like Eddie Howe has done. Um, I don't think he's as much of a student of the game in Eddie Howe as Eddie Howe in that we know Howe took a year out. He went to Atletico Madrid, learned some stuff off Simeone and, and, and got some more experience and and a wealth of, of new knowledge under his belt. And he's come back stronger, obviously with a point to prove. And this will be for personally now for Steven Gerrard, a huge test. Does he have the motivation to come again without his main assistant? With his, it, it, I don't know. I just can't see it personally. Do you think with Gerrard, there's a bit of living on that past reputation? The same with Lampard as well, because a lot of people made similar comments when Lampard went to Everton about you know, how they've gone after how instead of Lampard. And it's like, well, these two haven't really achieved much. And it does seem to me that someone that sets Eddie Howe aside is the fact that, like you say, he's, he's had to work his way up to where he is now. He, you know, he puts in all the effort and he's not being this world-class player. Because let's make no mistake, Gerard and Lampard were two of the best midfielders this country's ever seen. But it does seem to me that they often live on that past reputation as a player and we know the results have proved that holds nothing when it comes to being a manager. Yeah, good. The, the old adage isn't that good players don't always make good managers, unless you're Pep Guardiola, who was obviously class at playing and managing. It, it, you, the skill set doesn't always translate, does it? So, I mean, Lampard couldn't get Derby up. I mean, I, I would I would put Scott Parker. I know he's out of a job now after being sacked at Bournemouth. I'd still put Scott Parker ahead of Lampard and Gerrard in terms of managerial prowess. But it, it just doesn't surprise me. That, that it just does not surprise me. Um, I'd, I'd sooner have an Eddie Howe, Graham Potter look at his rise to prominence now because um, he has paid his dues going all around Europe, Scandinavia. Um so it, it, it's going to be very interesting if Gerard does come back. Obviously, he's more than young enough, but people were getting carried away saying, I oh, was just biding his time to get the Liverpool job. That, I that, don't think that helps. That no, help. no, of course it wouldn't. Of course it wouldn't help, but he's got a lot of rebuilding to do. It's not impossible. Of course it's not. But um, he, he's, he's got to come back and um, take a job in, in the championship or something to, to rebuild. And I think I know the answer to this. And I can probably hear, well, once he asks this question, a lot of people are probably throwing things at their their speakers. Any moments in the last year where you kind of looked at Aston Villa and thought, oh, goodness me, I wish we'd had Stephen Gerrard in charge instead of Eddie Howe? No. No. I thought that would be the answer. Everyone's going to say no to that. I mean, Eddie Howe's just done a remarkable job, hasn't he? It's been it's been quite something. He's not even been in, in charge of year yet. I know. It, 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 it's crazy, isn't it? I mean... Interesting now that, I mean, look, anyone who watches NFTV knew that Unai Emery was my first choice to when Steve Bruce left. But, I'm uh, glad you brought that up because I had it in the bag there. I was just yeah, wondering. I know you did. I know you would have done. Uh, I know you do your research, but yeah, I, I would have. I would have liked Unai Emery. Am I? Am I disappointed we didn't get him? No. <laughs> it's, it's one of them things. I thought at the time he would have been a good starting point, a good manager for a cup, uh, for a cup run. Um, but, you know, Villa seemed to be trying to make a bit of a B-Tech blueprint of our of, uh, of Newcastle's recruitment. It is interesting, and I've mentioned it just before. Like For me, 
the, the team that's closest to Newcastle or was in my mind would have been someone like Aston Villa in terms of measuring, you know, trying to break through that next level. And obviously Newcastle have just shot straight up, Villa have dropped, but they have got, got some good players. And it is going to be really interesting to see what happens now that they've got, what I think most people deem a top class manager. You know, there's that top level and then you've probably got the level underneath that. So you're world-class, top class in my view. Um, because there was a reason Newcastle went after him. Interesting, though, that he that he stopped at um, Villarreal because of Champions League football, and he's now left to go to Aston Villa, closer to a relegation fight than qualifying for Europe. Very bizarre, isn't it? I don't know what's changed in the last 10 months. But, um, yeah, very, very bizarre. Um, look, he's a good manager. He's a good manager, and he has unfinished business in the Premier League um, just because he kind of, maybe you could say he failed at Arsenal. doesn't make him a bad coach in any way, shape or form. Uh, it's, a, it's a very good appointment for them, very good appointment. He's, he's not going to be in the dugout on, on Saturday, of course, thankfully. But, um, yeah, hopefully we can... Um, I, I, I dare say he'll be in the stands, so hopefully we can welcome him back to the Premier League with a... A defeat. It is a brilliant appointment. It's it's one of ambition, I think, from Aston Villa. Do you think, Sam? Obviously, you're looking from the outside in, but as you say, you've got your family connections there, so I'm sure they'll be able to tell you that the fans' point of view. Um, in fact, my father-in-law to be, he's a Villa fan as well, and I know he's very envious at the whole um, situation up in Newcastle. He didn't actually want Gerard sacked, funny enough. Um, but do you think they look at what's happening at Newcastle? And the early success they've had on Tyneside, the, the good start of the season, and they've gone, that's where we wanted to be. You know, that's that's not good. You know, we've been overtaken by Newcastle and we sort of had a head start. We spent all this money over the last three or four seasons. It's not worked out. And do you think that that that's maybe pushed them to go and look at the top of this list, see someone like Emery and go, right, let's pick up the phone and let's let's put the feelers out. And it's it's you know, it's worked out all right for them. Yeah, possibly. I mean, they were they were very ambitious in the names that were being linked, but obviously, it's not always going to go your way. I think Pochettino and Tuchel were very dismissive of Aston Villa because they've clearly got the head screwed on. So, it it is an ambitious appointment. They probably are looking at us with a bit of envy. But what you still remember is for ourselves, it's still very early days. I mean, as great as started, I'm still not expecting us to be in the top four come May. Um, which is fine <laughs> because it, it's been a fantastic start to the season. We're still only one defeat in, and that was questionable uh, at the very least. So it's it's been a remarkable start. If we can still be in the mix for top six come mid to late January, then it, it could be a very exciting end to the season. But I still think we've been nailed on for seventh, eighth place now, probably seventh. Mm. I don't know. I'm not yet uh, removing my end of season prediction. Or you said eleventh. I know, but do you know what it is. It's that all pessimistic part of me as a Newcastle fan. That's just you know, keep my feet well on the ground, and, and we'll see what happens. And I you know I'll be I'll be happily proved wrong. Top seven, of course. I would love that. I'm just I'm just remaining a little bit grounded with the whole situation. That's the message from Eddie Howe and Callum Wilson as well. You know, game game at a time. Be interesting though, Sam, if they do finish in the top seven, top six, and what that means for the summer, because you know that then 
means European football, but it means playing, you know, weekend, midweek, weekend. And suddenly the plans, I would imagine, in the transfer window would have to be changed because your squad goes from needing to be strengthened to really then needing more bodies in to cope with, you know, the inevitable injuries that you get and tiredness from playing that many games week in, week out. Yeah, we'll need more than Vernon and Anita this time. That 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 was the that was the big mistake last time around, wasn't it? That the, the, the first team was there, um, wasn't it? We had an amazing first team: Kabai, Demba Bar, Ben Arthur, Cisse, Tiote. But there wasn't really much to come off the bench, and then you go into Bruges with both Amiobis and Gail Bigiramana, and and it, it's just which is which is fine, but you know it, it's not enough to to maintain a solid league position to as well as a European Cup run, is it? But um, the, the squad would definitely need to be strengthened. We need a lot more depth. We're still a bit light in certain areas. And we're still a couple of transfer windows away from from really getting to, to where we want to be squad-wise, aren't we? So it might be a case of too much too soon, but I don't think it will hurt us too much. Um, but we've got to get there first. We're, not, we're in a nice place at the moment where we're winning games and we're all like, what's this feeling? It's brilliant. But And just before, like the expectation inevitably starts to heighten. Well, one of the interesting feelings I got watching that, that Spurs game was when they pulled that goal back from Harry Kane. The Newcastle of old, the Newcastle United fan of old, you would sit there and you're thinking, goodness me, this is going to end 3-2. You're watching every attack like with, with your hands over your, your eyes. But I never really felt all that threatened watching the game. I, I never felt worried that Newcastle were going to throw that lead away. So I did at the time, because like you say there, it's the old Newcastle fan in me just preparing for impending doom. So at the time when I when watching the game live, I was like that. But then I sort of watched the highlights back, um, the extended highlights back the next day. And it was a bit like, I don't know what I was worried about. Because it was in essence, pretty comfortable towards the end when you're playing a top three side away from home. It's a, it was a lot more comfortable than what it should have been. Yeah, 100%. And, and, it, and it goes down to, to the little things that the defence are doing. You know, Yes, they like to play it out from the back, but there was instances um, towards the end of the game where they were literally just booting the ball away. You know, Under previous managers, it, it, it wasn't... Those things weren't done. And it's just those little things where... When it needs to just get that ball out. I mean, Shelby had a good a good couple of uh, whacks up the field just to waste a bit of time. And it's it's not pretty on the eye, but it's important. It wastes time. And I think that what what's really good to see from Newcastle, they've kind of got everything down to a T. You know, their game management under Eddie Howe is absolutely spot on. Yeah, a lot more a lot more solid than than what it was. Um and that's when you want to chuck Chris Wood on, I suppose, when things aren't going to be pretty and you have to see a game out and you do maybe have to lump it forward on the odd occasion and play it in the corner. That's when Chris Wood does actually come in handy. I um, thought he was so important. I like Yeah. That. His cameo was so important against against Spurs. He, he drew the foul. He won a few knock-ons. Like That, for me, <laughs> I know he was only on the pitch seven minutes, but probably the most important seven minutes I think he's had it he's played for Newcastle I know he scored a couple of important goals but for me as I said on Monday's episode this 
is the biggest win under Eddie Howe, in my opinion. It's it's something that I think is going to just take Newcastle onto that next level. So for him to have a, a role in, in in securing those three points with the things he did, you know, I, I just got to give him a round of applause for for getting stuck in and, and really playing what, like I say, what I think was a, a crucial role. Yeah. And it just, probably them seven minutes with Chris Wood come on was a, a big contributing factor as to why we were so comfortable in the end. I mean, I know the defence were amazing, in particular um, Botman, Cher, Trippi is effortlessly class again, playing some of the best football of his career. Makes you wonder why Spurs ever got rid of him in the first place. Um, Botman and Cher are looking um, absolutely phenomenal. A really, really good pairing. The... the the old question marks about Cher's ability to play in the flat back four are, are just completely forgotten almost now, aren't they? And, and Botman, like, to be honest, like I knew he would, he, he just looks like our Vincent company for the next 10 years. If we can get to where, you know, the owners and, and fans aspire to be, he, he could be with us and a, and a future Newcastle captain. Looking at the side that started against Spurs, and the side that may start against Aston Villa, like you said, we don't think anyhow will will change too much. He doesn't like a winning side, uh, so he doesn't like a cha- he loves a winning side. He doesn't like a change a winning side. Yeah, there. Everyone loves a winning side, Sam. Um, Nick Pope, Trippier, Cher, Botman, Burn with the defense. Now, Burn's always the question mark, and for the last few games, I've advocated getting 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 him out of the the starting eleven. I mean, again against Villa, he's going to be up against some very tricky wingers, some good players. But given what Eddie Howe's done in recent games, he, he, he's not listening to me. He's gonna he's gonna keep that back four exactly the way it is. And you know what, Dan Byrne against Spurs, I thought was was really good. Um, he has had a few ropey games in my opinion in recent weeks, but the last two games, Everton and Villa, uh, Everton and Spurs, sorry, I think he's 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 done really well, and I think he'll be he'll be starting against Villa. Yeah, he's played with intelligence, hasn't he? Because he's obviously at six foot seven, big lumbering centre back. He's not going to be the most paciest of left backs, is he? So he's played with a lot of intelligence, reads the game very well, and um, has been able to neutralise a lot of the threats coming from out wide. It's going to be a big task. Um, Leon Bailey's playing very well again now since Gerard's left and uh, the shackles are off almost. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup. I'm expecting him to play as well. Um, it's harsh on Matt Target, of course it is, but it's the way how it is. You, once you've earned the shirt, you keep it until you've uh, you've done something to 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 really put the mockers on. So fair play to Burn; he's been incredible. I mean, it, it, it still would be harsh for Gareth Southgate to completely overlook him. To be honest, as a centre back for the World Cup, given the the lack of depth that. Well, I say lack of depth. Could anyone confidently name a, a real strong English centre back pairing now, without any question marks? I don't think so. No, but we know what Gavsav gets like. He's only going to take players that he's he's, he's had before, isn't he? And as much as Dan Byrne has, has impressed this season, and I'm, I'm hearing the calls as a bit of a wild card, he's not getting an England squad. He's not even getting. No, that no, he's not. But I'd sooner have him every day of the week and twice on Sundays over Tyrone Mings. Well, we'll get on a Tyrone Mings in, in just a moment. Although he was getting a lot of praise for his performance against Brentford, but I still think Callum Wilson will um, take him to the cleaners um, if they are facing up on Saturday. Let's just talk about Newcastle's midfield though first, Sam. 
Started with Sean Longstaff, Bruno and Willick. You know, Bruno all being well, he'll start. Question marks for me, though, over Sean Longstaff. And I know there was plenty of praise for him against Spurs, but I just don't think he's done enough to be a guaranteed starter in this side, even though Newcastle are winning. And people will be, you know, going to me and saying, you know, you're being too critical. But I just think he, if, if you're looking for a weak link in that midfield, I think he's it because he just takes too much time on the ball. And he's been fortunate in recent games that the teams haven't punched him. He's lost it, but the mm. defence has stood strong or the opposition just haven't taken advantage. There will come a time when he loses it and the opposition score. And, you know, it could prove to be a really crucial goal. You know, it, you know, it might not happen towards the end of the season. Newcastle going for top four and that's when it happens, whatever. I just think, you know, I just think he, he needs to work a little bit faster on the ball. You know, it takes too much time. I would, I would take him out against Villa. I take your point. But I've always defended Sean Longstaff and I will continue to do so. Sean grows into a game. Um, I, I 100% take your point because it, it's true, it does happen. And it did happen under Steve Bruce as well. Whenever Sean Longstaff seemed to lose the ball because he dawdled on it a bit too long, the opposition would go and score. But that hasn't been happening because our defence is 10 times better because, you know, there's actual work being done on the training ground. Um. Almiron's goal against Spurs wouldn't have happened without Sean Longstaff. 100%. 100%. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm happy he's got a new contract and I'm, I'm happy he's part of this journey because he is a talented player. You know, those links to Manchester United all those years ago didn't come out of, just out of thin air. You know, they were deserved, you know, and that injury rocked them. And he has got back to it to a certain, a certain level. And he is a good player. You know, he played well against Arsenal, the, the last home game of last season. And he, he did well actually towards the end of last season. He did, but but I just think there's going to come a time when it's really going to cost Newcastle because and I think actually the frustrating thing is that's the only part of his game I think that needs improvement. He can pick a pass, he gets stuck in, he covers a lot of ground, but the one real weakness in his game is actually a massive weakness giving the ball away in the middle of the park is going to cost you at some point. So hopefully, you know, that he, he grows out of that and he eradicates that from his game. It's, you know, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that that, 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 that happens, but right now he is doing it too often. And, and I, you do look at Villa and you think if, if their players get, get onto him, you know, they've got a decent enough midfield. They've got players who, who can counter, they could be the team that capitalises. Yeah, of course, Villa will have Douglas Louise available now after they um, they won the appeal against his suspension. I'll have no issue if Sean Longstaff is in the starting eleven on Saturday, but I, I, I don't disagree with the point you've made. Um, it's been a long road back for Sean since he obviously burst onto the scene with Rafa and like you say, the calls for from Man United for a fifty million pound move. He's still probably nowhere near valued at fifty million pound these days. But he's getting there. He's he's getting back to he's getting back to where he was. Uh, being being fit, injury free. 
And we've seen what Eddie Howe can do with Joe Linton, with Miggy Armour on your man, with um, Fabian Cher, who was out the door if Steve Bruce would have stayed. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for the improvement and what Eddie Howe can get out of his players. Um, so I don't see why he can't improve a bit more and get and iron out these kind of issues in his game. But I, I, I think there are a lot of positives with Sean as well. He's, he's, he's he goes under the radar a little bit because he's an easy target for criticism, especially when there's no one else really left to criticise at the moment because things are going quite swimmingly. But um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a long staff fan. I think he's, he's, I know he's not a kid anymore, but I still don't quite think he's fully there yet. And I still think there is some improvement to be had from him. And I'll have no issue if he's in the starting 11, nor will I, if he's not, um, if, if, if we have Joe Linton, it, it will Shelby be back as well now? So we've got a, a full complement back. So yeah, it could be question. John Joe and the two Brazilians. It could be John Joe Bruno and, and Joe Willock, who's, who's again needs a goal to really cement his brilliant form at the moment. Hmm. I I would remove. I'd, I'd take Longstaff out. And I'd bring Shelby into that side, alongside Gamaresh, and alongside Willock. I think, and then I I, I would leave Joe Linton. Up that up there with Almiron and Wilson, that would be my my team against Villa. That surprised me somewhat. You know, I was expecting I was expecting Murphy to come out against Spurs, but I thought I would have had Ryan Fraser in there. It, it, it surprised me a little bit, to be honest, to see Joe Linton kind of. I wouldn't say he was completely totally uh, out on the left wing, was he? He he did kind he of was everywhere. Like he was even, everywhere, even being up up that far up the pitch. He was still getting back to his own box and getting a foot. And the engine on that man is unbelievable. Like he's just, he's just a beast. He's yeah. I, I, look, what more can you say about him? We, we, every podcast, Newcastle United podcast, has probably said all the positive things you can say about Joe Linton, and and sat there and said how baffled and amazed we are at his turnaround. But I thought against Spurs, he just re-cemented. Why he is for me probably the third or fourth name on that team list if fit. You know he, he's starting every game if fit. Yeah, I, I think you're right. He probably will be back out on that left hand side again, wouldn't he? But um, fully expecting to be everywhere. Um, him against Leon Bailey should be a good match with with Dan Byrne um, kind of tucking in at left back again. It's it's going to be interesting and the battle in midfield, which is obviously so key. That we wouldn't always win these battles in midfield, and we, and we do consistently now because I know we're still, you know, James Madison links aren't going away anytime soon, and we could maybe still, yeah, of course we could do one more in there, but the strength in that midfield now is is absolutely superb. What's interesting, and there were a lot of calls over the over the weekend about how Newcastle have got the, the best midfield in the Premier League by some, and yet it's not really consistent midfield is it because of the injuries and because of fitness and you know we're talking here and, and I'm saying well for me Sean Longstaff could possibly come out Shelby could come back in and I do think when Shelby is fit and match fit and there's a big difference I think he'll be back in that side so there's another change um, and yet a lot of people are sitting here saying have Newcastle got the best midfield in, in the Premier League and it, it, it probably just goes to show just how well everybody in that pool is doing yeah Hundred percent. I don't know about you, but when the teams, when the lineups came out at half past three on Sunday afternoon, I mean, 
when you look at the the Spurs side, you obviously get past Son and Kane, who are world class. There wasn't a lot else in that Spurs lineup to be overly intimidated by, was there? I mean, I mean, Oliver Skip's not going to charge you to a Champions League place, is he? But isn't it isn't it funny because like, I'm looking at there and yes, okay, you went Oliver Skip, you know, Bazuma, big money signing, Bentaker's done well. You know, a year ago, you would look at that and you'd be thinking, oh, goodness, I mean, I know we didn't have all the players there, but actually when you look at Newcastle's starting eleven, you know, only Gummeresh in that midfield is 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 a new signing. And I get what you're saying. I, I think part of it is really down to the confidence you're feeling that Newcastle are going to go and give people a game, the, the lack of fear. You know, I think obviously there is the quality in midfield that makes you look at, look at the opposition lined up and go, yeah. But I think a lot of it is actually down to you're not you're not feeling fear anymore when you when you when you look at a team sheet of the opposition. No, and and the um, the addition of Bruno could never be underestimated because he would get into any team in the Premier League, um, any team, Man City, Liverpool, Man United, he would walk into their team. Um, so that that obviously goes a long way. I mean, I hope he's had a good night's sleep this week. Um, I doubt it. Come on, I mean, you've got kids. You know that he's not going to have had a, a good night's sleep, especially not with a newborn. No, I know, I know. But I don't know. They might get lucky. I'm sure, I mean, he's, he's, these footballers are millionaires. They can afford help, can't they? <laughs> Just a big mansion. He's in the other end of the house having a nice kip. Um, exactly. Did, 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 you, did you get a bit emotional at that? post-game interview with uh, Callum Wilson and, and Bruno Gimmeresh? Did it pull on the heartstrings a little bit? Um, well, as you say, I've got kids, so I've, I've been there. I mean, I haven't played football 48 hours later. Um, but fun fact, when uh, the day my uh, firstborn was born, we beat Villa 2-0. Um, that was back in the Championship. So uh, Henry Lansbury and all that carry on. Yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a lovely interview, though, wasn't it? And um, we've had some great ones down the years, like the, the Longstaff ones after that, uh, the Man United win. And, and, and Bruno comes across as such a genuine, honest guy. And he looks just the the complete perfect footballer on and off the pitch, doesn't he? And we're, we're so lucky to have him, especially when we did get him. No relegation release clause. Um, he's obviously now, because he's just starting to get the attention of the more widespread media teams are starting to take notice of Newcastle now we're we're currently sat in the top four places so of course he's going to attract interest from the so-called bigger boys but it wouldn't surprise me to see us tying down with a more longer term contract and for him to be the uh, club's top earner yeah fingers crossed that you say he's the cornerstone isn't he of, of what Newcastle are trying trying to achieve he is him and Trippier have set the bar for the quality you're going to expect, I think, in the, in, in the windows to come. And um, as well, if you're going to keep him here, you're going to have to buy similar quality to him as well. And that's not going to be easy to do. Um, but it's certainly going to be exciting to see the kind of players they, they come in to match his ambition and his quality. Let's get on to Miguel Almiron. He did text me um, after the Spurs game about the potential of joining the Miguel Almiron fan club. Are you going to hand your application in? Um, possibly. Possibly. I love being proved wrong about a player. I absolutely love it because it, it means that Newcastle are doing well. Um, 
he needed to add consistency and more goals to his game and he's doing that now, isn't he? Um, and he's won us games. He's won us these tight games where, you know, they've been one nils, that there's just been a goal in it and he's, he's winning us matches, which he hasn't done before, really, has he? Um, so to see him play well consistently, get goals, oh, it's just great to see. It really is. What, what can't happen now, obviously, is that he goes missing for the next six games. But that goal against Spurs on Sunday was just like, you know, if you were to say to someone, like, draw me a typical Mo Salah goal. That was what Miggy scored on Sunday, wasn't it? It was absolute class. Um, started off with Sean getting there with the high press and intercepting. And then Miggy battled through a couple of players and, and slotted it coolly with his left foot past Hugo Lloris, who had a bit of a stinker on Sunday. But, yeah, Miggy's been fantastic. Um, and to be honest, I'm expecting him to, to, to sign a new contract now soon. I, I don't think that news will be really far off because in the summer I was saying that you've either, because he's been here a few years now, you've either got to offer him a new deal or sell him while he still has value. I would have sold him. But um, thank goodness we didn't. Yeah, thank goodness they weren't listening to you, Sam. I always, I always had had the faith. Um, you mentioned there the fact though that what he can't do is now go missing, and it goes back to something I was I was asking you or saying before about Newcastle. You don't, you're not having that fear when it goes into match days, whereas last season, season before, you were always thinking against, especially against the top sides. Oh goodness me, this is where Newcastle are going to trip up. But there's just something. When you when you look at Newcastle and when you consider what Miggy's done as well, I've got no fear that Miggy's form will will drop off. Yeah, he might not score against Villa, but I think the performance levels will stay, and I think Newcastle's performance levels are are, are going to stay. Are we have we have we gone past the point now where we just expect Newcastle to to mess up? Have they done enough this season to to now? You can see actually they're consistently performing at a good level, and you know there is no fear that you know they will mess up. Slip up's different, but mess up is 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 the question. I don't know. You still might have the the Palace and Bournemouth performances at the back of your head, which especially Bournemouth was a bit flat, wasn't it? I know um, Palace we didn't get the VAR decision, um, but still that was a bit flat as well, wasn't it? But you know, we, we still come out of the game with, with a point. Um, we, we, we just shouldn't go, we shouldn't lose a game at St. James's Park anymore, especially after we've already played City at home. Uh, past the point, no, because it's football. There's it, it, It's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? There's always going to be a game or a performance that, that just doesn't quite click. So maybe I'm being just a bit pessimistic, but realistic at the same time because that's just the nature of the game it, no game is a foregone conclusion especially in the Premier League so I don't know I still get I still get nervous before every match day no matter what especially with games like this which I just want to win more than anything not because it's against a particularly brilliant side but it just gives me uh, a quiet life for the next seven days yeah I was going to say what happens if, if Aston Villa managed to beat Newcastle what does that mean for your household uh, me and my lad will just go out for a bit. Just, just, just leave it to it. <laughs> and and on that, how is Saturday's game going to go? What's your what's your result prediction? I'm going to go for a two-one win. Um, I, I think Villa will score, 
but I think we should have enough in the tank to um, to pick up the three points. Um, it, it's going to be a tough game. This if if Gerard was still in charge, I'm adamant it would have been a, a bit of a rollover, and we could have been looking at three um, 0 something like that. But but now there's that new manager caretaker manager bounce that they've got, and they're not a bad side on paper either. They have got some good players. Danny Ings and Watkins, they're, they're, they're no mugs up front. So it's going to have to be uh, another good defensive display, which um, which of course we can do. Bottom's been superb, Cher's been superb, Trippier, leader, and Byrne's been great too, as you say. And Nick Pope, when called upon, has, has done the business, hasn't he? But um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping and praying and um, I'm fairly confident we can, we can see out and get another three points. I'm going to go for a 3-0 win to Newcastle United. I'm, wow. I'm riding that wave of optimism. Yeah, but it's Newcastle United. Just when you start to wave, uh, ride that wave, then you just get kicked between the legs very firmly, don't you? So I just hope that doesn't happen this week. Yeah, well, I think Newcastle are going to win. I'm not at the game, unfortunately. I love when Newcastle play Villa, but I'm not at the game. So um, I am spending the weekend with the in-laws, though. So if we do lose... Like Any you. flower shows this week? Going not this week. No, not this week. Thankfully, it's, uh, yeah, not. I'm not. We're not. Yeah, thanks for bringing that one up. No, no flower shows this week. Hopefully, just a couple of pints in the pub and checking the phone and and, and seeing Newcastle have um have beaten um his beloved Aston Villa, which they're going to do. They are going to do. I hope so. I hope so. Well, Sam, thank you very much for popping on to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It is much appreciated to you guys watching on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button to you guys listening on the podcast channel. Please remember to like and follow and leave us a rating and review and check out Sam's podcast as well. Um, this is my final match for you for a couple of weeks. Next week, Gibble will be back with Aaron and the week after that as well. Um, well have you told everyone why it's your last show for the next couple of weeks? I told them on Monday. So, yes, I'm getting married a week on Saturday. So, I'm taking. Are you going to have a shave before the big day? Don't worry. I'm all booked in. By the time you lovely listeners listen to this podcast, I will probably be in the chair getting a shave because I'm getting it done on Thursday morning. So, thank you for reminding me, Sam. But it's all, it's been booked in for a little while now. Good. Hey, this is, this is, this is taking a long time to get to this length. I'm looking out forward to Envy, to be honest. I'm still on November from last year. (laughs) Yeah. Um, wow, yeah, yeah, well, it's getting cut, so don't worry, mine's getting cut, so don't worry about that. But, um, there you go, a little bit of little bit of moving away from, from your cast tonight. We're, we're so happy we can talk about anything on this podcast. The joys of uh, the impact of Newcastle United, right? Yeah, anything dishwasher loading techniques, wedding days, honeymoons, anything. There we go, there we go, and uh, yeah, well, that's been everything is black and white podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk. And once again, thank you very much for Sam filling in for Gibbo. Enjoy the rest of your week.